Thank you for listening to our new sermon series, Don't Quit. In the midst of a changing world where darkness grows more each day, Jesus is the reason we do not give up or give in. Jesus is our victory. Thankful for our church. I'm thankful for the last, uh, the last several weeks being able to uh, kind of be fed myself uh, through uh, Mike's series, and I'm so thankful for how the Lord used that. Uh, I've heard from many of you that uh, just just so, so thankful for uh, the ministry of the Word. But I'll be honest with you, I couldn't wait to preach today. Had a couple uh, weeks off from up here at least. I mean, at Sunday school, but uh, just excited to uh, to start our new series this morning. I've probably been praying about this uh, series for, I don't know, four or five months and just the timing of uh, when, when to start it. And uh, I knew that this was just, uh, this was just the right time. And uh, so our series title... Uh, is uh, don't quit. And uh, oftentimes we, uh, we, we feel like we are surrounded uh, by the enemy and uh, we feel like uh, giving in. However, uh, as we are going to go verse by verse through 2 Thessalonians, uh, it really is a book of the Bible that inspires us uh, to not quit. And uh, I think we're going to learn throughout its pages that uh, Jesus really is our victory. And uh, so I trust that uh, those songs did um, facilitate, in a in sense, a uh, heart preparedness uh, for, uh, for the message here uh, as, we, as we begin this series. Uh, we're going to, if, you've, if you don't have a Bible, and uh, we're going to turn, turn to 2 Thessalonians, please. 2 Thessalonians, uh, chapter uh, number 1. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's a uh, black Bible in uh, maybe one of the seats in front of you, and the page will be 1,665. 1,665. Good thing it wasn't 666, right? And uh, some of you some of you got a little nervous with that. And uh, I think there's only just a few words on 6-5, and that was probably uh, for our benefit here uh, this morning. No, I'm just kidding. That's, uh, have you ever gotten a receipt and, like, your bill was, like, $66 and, like, $0.06, something like that? You're like, yeah, let's get dessert, you know, just so you can uh, make that uh, change the number. But... 1,665 if you are using uh, the Pew Bible. And if you are here and uh, you don't have a Bible uh, for yourselves, please feel free. That is That can be our gift to you. Just take that with you. And uh, don't worry, no one will stop you at the back doors uh, telling you that you're stealing anything. And uh, that would be uh, our gift to you. We're just thankful that you're here. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to begin this book. Kind of, I'm going to uh, spend the first uh, few moments of this series and this message kind of giving you a little bit of background of the book and so uh, we can understand that we can hit the ground running. Uh, but we notice in verse number 1, it says, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all abound each other, toward each other abound, excuse me, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. These are the words that God spoke uh, through the Apostle Paul to a community of believers in a town that is called Thessalonica. 
Now, because these are the words that you find in Scripture, they're not only words that were written to a group of believers there in Thessalonica, but they also are words for you as well as for me and for our church here this morning. The letter has just three short chapters, uh, but it's full of encouragement. Uh, I recently uh, spoke with a pastor who's getting ready to retire. He's put in, I don't know, uh, probably about uh, 50, uh, 50 years or so, a couple, certainly about five, maybe even to coming up on six decades. He's getting ready to retire. And in preparation for the series, I just, I, I happened to speak with him on the phone. And uh, one of the things he said was, is if I could do it all over again, again, we're talking 50, 60 years of pastoring people. He said, if I could do it all over again, the one thing that I would do is encourage God's people more. And I want this series to really be that that is my heart. And so our series is entitled Don't Quit. And the reason why is because we often desire to quit. And so our message title here this morning is Down But Not Out. There might be times where you feel like quitting, but let me just say this early on. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're never out of it. You're never out of it, and he's always your victor, and I think that we will see that uh, throughout these passages. But I want to ask us a real quick question as we kind of begin this series. What do we do when the trials keep coming? What do we do when they keep coming? The church at Thessalonica was literally a church that was birthed or it was born in great difficulties. If you want to read the entire context of where, when this church started, uh, you can find that in Acts chapter number 17. I'm just going to hit a few verses here this morning to kind of give us a context here. And we see in verse number three that it says openly and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. And that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. So for three, to, for three weeks or so, Paul is standing here in Thessalonica and he's preaching Christ uh, for multiple weeks. Okay, And many came to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, many uh, trusted him because of his preaching. But soon after this church was established, there were some new believers that faced some massive opposition. Some, some unruly characters uh, kind of came around and they, they, they whipped the city uh, into a frenzy and they began to persecute this church. We kind of get a little bit of an idea of that in verse number 5 of Acts 17. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy. In other words, let me just say real quick, the non-believers, this, the, these new believers were kind of going away from, from, from the Pharisees and from some of the religious system that was there, and they were swearing their allegiance to Christ. They were accepting him as their Savior, and that didn't really bode well with people. And so these unbelievers, they took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. Here's what that means, just some bad dudes, okay? It says here, and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. So they don't like what's going on, and so they descend down to Jason's house. And the reason why they went to Jason's house is because that's where Paul was staying. 
And Paul was able to kind of slip out of uh, the city there of Thessalonica before he could be captured. But that did not mean that Jason didn't. All, Jason then got taken, and he was he was he he was found he found himself in court. Okay, and so Paul left during the night, and he never returned to these people. Because the gospel was so offensive to the lost, it was so offensive to this area of Thessalonica, it almost kind of feels, if you allow me to say this, it kind of feels like our area a little bit. People are offended by the truth. They're offended by the gospel. They're offended by um, potential truths and potential changes that the Word of God can make. There is a bill right now uh, that has passed through California legislation already that literally, when you boil it all the way down, I can give you more information about, uh, about this after church, that if you boil it all the way down, it literally will hinder free speech. If someone were to come to the church and they were to have, you know, some, uh, so, so, some you know, uh, some, some, you know, gender transformations, all that kind of stuff, and they wanted help, we couldn't technically offer that help if, um, you know, the, the state is basically coming down on that. It's already landslided through our local state. Now it's getting ready to go to our local Senate here in the state. And, it's, and so our area, our state, doesn't want the word. That's what you see here in Thessalonica. Read Acts 17. Take time. Go home and read the context. They didn't want the truth. Okay. So the truth comes, and they bring the uh, they bring the havoc. And so Paul never returned to these people. A few months after he escaped by way of night, he wrote First Thessalonians. And a few months or very short after, he would have written the second letter to these believers. And that's what we're going to study. We're going to study the second letter that he wrote to these believers. So that's kind of give you a little bit of the background. But most people, they can put up with trouble for a while. But what happens when the problems keep coming? What happens when they don't stop? If we're not careful, they begin to wear us down. They begin to cause us to put our defenses down. This is how the believers here at Thessalonica, this is how they understood Christianity, guys. They would have all been lost, and Paul would have been coming, and he would have been preaching Christ, and many people came to know Christ, and they formed this church, and Christianity as they knew it was hostile. Or the arena that they worshipped their creator in would have been hostile. We see, let me give you a little bit context here in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 6. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in what? Much affliction. Chapter 2 verse 14. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen. In other words, you understand what those those believers in, in Jerusalem that converted, you understand what they went through. The message of Christ is an offense it brings hostility your way. And these early Christians there in Jerusalem understood, but Paul was saying, hey, those of you in Thessalonica, you understood. You, you know what it's like. 
You, you've been there. Chapter 3, verse 4, For verily, were when ye were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and you know. And then, of course, that's how our second epistle in the Thessalonians opens up in verse number 4, so that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations. Notice this, that ye endure. Notice the present tense there. It's important. It didn't say that ye have endured or that you have gone through. No, no, no. Paul is saying you are in the midst right now of going through these persecutions and tribulations. It's been months now, but the trials, they've not stopped. So when trials keep coming your way, you and I, if we're not careful, we begin to wonder, how long will this continue? Paul is writing to encourage these believers so that they will stay the course when they, have, when, when they get tired of the battle. So if you were to ask me what the, what the key verse of maybe the second Thessalonians would be, I would say that is chapter 3, verse number 13, and it says, But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Be not weary in well-doing. The danger is that you and I will do right for a time, and then we will tire of it. You and I, we know that the Word of God is truth. We know how God defines things in the Word of God, and we stand on that, and yet it gets wearying as society is changing. You know what I'm talking about? It gets wearying to be a Christian in the world in which we live. And so this letter is given to us in the New Testament to teach us how Christ enables his people to persevere. He enables you and I as believers in Jesus Christ to not quit. So I want to ask you this question here. What is the battle that maybe you're facing right now that's wearying you? What is it? Oh, I could define mine because I knew I was preaching this series. But what is it for you? What is it that's wearying you? What is it that you just, you just want to wave the white flag? What is it that you want to quit on? Maybe you're fighting to hold on to your, maybe you're fighting to hold your marriage together. Or you have a rebellious son or daughter who is bringing you pain. You've been dealing with family issues for some time now, and it doesn't seem to be going well, and is it worth to keep fighting? Maybe you're battling a particular sin. Mike hit much on guarding our, our heart and our mind and our eyes and how Satan desires to get in there and, and to sift you as wheat, as Luke tells us, and to ultimately cause you to sin and ultimately to cause you to give up. But what is it, the sin, maybe, that you're battling? You think that you're progressing, and then suddenly that old sin, it just rears its ugly head. What you thought you had a victory over, all of a sudden you're being tempted again with it. Maybe you work in an environment where everything is affirmed except Christ or except you. And it seems like the, your pursuit of a godly life, well, no, 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 that's not going to be affirmed. But they can, every other debauchery, maybe in your company or in the world in which you work in, is accepted. You're facing the ongoing erosion of the increasing hostile culture in which we live. You're different. And that's a good kind of different. And over time, it's beginning to wear on you. Some of you have been called to serve in, in an extraordinary circumstances. Anyone who serves God wholeheartedly will know what it is 
to come to the place where we can say, I don't know how much longer I can do this. This next generation doesn't seem to even want God. Why serve them? Why love them? Why spend time with them? And you may want to say, you know what? Is it even worth it? I'm not sure how much I can take. See, everyone here this morning has a battle. All of us are facing something that is wearying us. Something that is particular to your life that might not be to mine or someone else's. And really what I want to allow you to do is allow the Holy Spirit of God to really answer that for you. I kind of gave you some ideas, but yours might be different. What is it that Satan wants you to just wave the white flag on? My desire this morning and my desire this series and really the weeks in preparation of this is to allow the Word of God to show you that Christ is your victory. That you and I, in a sense, we, we can kind of lay down the, 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 the fighting and instead just allow the King in us, who is Christ, to stand with those foes around us like the picture of our, uh, of our series depicts. So where do we begin? You want to persevere. I don't think any of us wants us to, anybody wants to quit. Anybody wants to just throw in the white towel. And so where do we begin? Well, let's look here in verse number four of our text. It says, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Paul says to this church at Thessalonica, he's saying, you guys, you are persevering. We thank God for this. We, we talk about this to the other churches. We say, uh, as we're going around, if you know the Apostle Paul, he was kind of like a missionary pastor. He would go around to different churches, and as he would go to maybe the church at Ephesus or maybe the churches at Colossae, he would say, hey, hey, there's this church in Thessalonica, and they've got... They've got great endurance, so to speak. They're, 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 they've got patience. They're, they're persevering through persecutions, through tribulations. They're enduring all kinds of hardships. The word patience there in our text, it means, I've alluded to these, perseverance. It means steadfastness. It means to endure. This kind of gives us the scope of what Paul is really talking about here in this text. And so how do we get that? How do, we, how do we get what he's talking about? Well, let me ask you a few questions that I want you to ponder here this morning. How can I have more patience with my children? How can I endure with my children? I love my kids. I think you know that. I love them, you know, I love them to death. And, but sometimes they test you, right? Okay, parents, I'm not the only one, right? Do your kids ever drive you crazy? If they're with you, don't say anything, okay? But how do, you, how do you have more patience with your children? How do I persevere in ministry? How do I keep going? How do I continue to serve? How do I continue to do this? How can I have stability and endurance in my life? Another one, how can I be the kind of person who goes the distance as a Christian in this hostile world? I don't always read dead people, their books. I do read current books and things like that. But I, I try, I try to have most of my reading be from dead people. I know that sounds really crazy. 
But here's why I say that. Because they ran their race. Okay, I've, I, 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 I read current guys, and uh, there's one, and I won't necessarily allude to his name, but I love, I, I kind of love how the Lord used him to help me with just kind of my journey in Christ, and yet just dramatic failings in his life. And praise God for grace, right? Amen, because we all fail, right? But how am I going to make it to the end? We have a world that is becoming more hostile every single year. If not, you can go all the way down to every single day. And so what, what produces the kind of character that Paul was able to praise in this church at Thessalonica, the, 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 the body of believers there, that literally they were birthed in turmoil in this trial? What, what produces the character? Well, here's the big thing that I want you and I to kind of grasp today, and it's this. Perseverance is the fruit of growing in faith and love. I want you to say that together with me. Ready, begin. Perseverance is the fruit of growing in faith and love. He did great, but I think we can do a better job than that. Ready, begin. The perseverance is the fruit of growing in faith and love. You want to persevere with your kids? You want to persevere on the job where it feels like everything but you as a Christian is affirmed and is accepted? You want to persevere in a hostile word around you? Then you grow in faith and love. Faith and love. Paul says about these believers here in Thessalonica, he says, first of all to them, your faith is growing. Your faith is growing. Look at verse number three. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because your faith, what? Groweth exceedingly. Do you realize that there are degrees of faith in Scripture? Jesus said to Peter in, in Mark 14, he said, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. Jesus said to the, to, to, to the centurion, he said, out of all the people of Israel. No one's has as great a faith as you have. The apostles said in Luke 17, said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Now listen to me. It's a wonderful thing to have faith in Christ. Listen, that's the starting point putting your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, as the one who died on the cross, who, who met the demands of a holy God that required death for sin, required blood to be shed for sin. Every Old Testament sacrifice of the shedding of blood was always pointing to our victor, was always pointing to Jesus. And so it's a wonderful thing if you're seated there this morning and you have faith in Christ. It's great. If you're a Christian, you have faith in him. But what is happening to your faith? Is it growing? Is it strengthening? Is it deepening? When the disciples found themselves in a, in a storm, it was just a crazy storm, and uh, the, the waves are coming up over the, uh, over the ship, and they begin to panic. And you know what Jesus said to them? Jesus said, where's your faith? Where's your faith? He wasn't saying you don't have any. Clearly, they were followers of Jesus. They literally had gotten in the boat with him. They had literally left everything that they knew, and they were following Jesus. So they had faith in him. So Jesus wasn't saying that, that you have no faith. What he was saying, he was saying, guys, gentlemen, you're not using it. 
Oh, yeah, you've got it. But when Jesus said, where's your faith? He said, I don't see it on display. You're not using it. What about you? Are you exercising faith by applying it to the particular battles that you are facing? One of those, one of those dead guys, here's how he defined faith. Faith is confidence and the ultimate triumph of God. Confidence in the ultimate triumph of God. That's what you and I need when we're struggling with difficulties in relationships, that when we're struggling with the stubbornness of sin or the discontentment in ministry or the hostility of an unbelieving world, we need to have faith, which is a confidence in the ultimate triumph of God. You want to know why you and I can forever extend ourselves to a lost, hostile, dying world? Because ultimately God wins. He's already won, but we're just seeing it played out on the grand stage. And so your, your little mini battle here and there, listen, you and I can continue to extend ourselves. We can continue to press on in faith because ultimately God is trustworthy. And so Paul, he said, he says, hey, you guys are growing in your faith. He says, secondly, your love, it's increasing. Your love is increasing. Again, in verse number three, he talks about because that your faith groweth exceedingly. But then he says, and the charity, which is another word for love of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Not only are there degrees of faith, but there's also degrees of love. Our Lord tells us that one who's forgiven little can love little and one those that are, or loves little, and ones that are forgiven much, love much. We read that in Luke 7. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And so just like faith, there's depths of love. Is your love deepening? Is your love growing? Okay. Is your faith growing? Is your confidence and God growing? See, here's what I know. You're here this morning, right? You, you, you all here, say amen if you're here. Thank you for half of you, okay? If you're here, say amen. It's awesome. It's good, okay? So here's what I know. I know that you're here. So what that means is, is whatever it was, a month, six months, one year, two years, three years, however far back you want to go, that you said, oh, I'm not going to make it. You made it, right? Because you're here, okay? So here's what that means. That means that God's trustworthy. You can have confidence in him. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. And so you and I, we can, we can grow in that faith. We can deepen in our confidence. And then you look at your, the way that you love is your love deepening for people. Paul says, hey, your love in the church was deepening, aboundeth amongst yourselves. Can you look across that aisle or in the seat in front of you and say, yeah, my love has grown towards that person and it's deepened. Well, then he says a third thing about him. He says, God is at work in you. God is at work in you. Look again at verse number three. 
we are bound to thank God always for you. You are under pressure, and yet your faith is growing. You're under pressure, and you're under hostility, yet your love is increasing. How does that happen? It is evident that God is working in your life, and it's irrefutable. You know what? When things get worse, you're not supposed, you're not supposed to love more. You're supposed to get harder, right? That's what a lot of the world does. Right? When, you know, when, 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 when things don't go your way, exactly the way you define it, you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to go like this to God. But instead, God works in you. Your confidence in God, your faith in God actually strengthens because you can look at a track record of, wow, I made it through everything. I'm here. And hopefully you are more loving because of it and not more hardened because of it. God does this work. Paul, he must have loved, hear me, he must have loved writing that verse right there. He must have loved penning that letter and sending it off to the church of Thessalonica. You want to know why? Because it's the exact things that he prayed for. In 1 Thessalonians 3, look at verse number 10. Night and day, praying exceedingly that ye might see, that I might see your face. He never did. And might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. And then two verses later, verse 12, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do towards you. Paul was so concerned about these believers that he wasn't able to go to them, so he sends Timothy to them. And Timothy comes back and says, yeah, you know what? They're still going through it. Trials haven't ceased. They're still, they're enduring the persecutions. They're enduring the tribulations. Oh, but by the way, their faith has grown and their love has increased. Can you imagine me? And Paul's like, yes. And it wasn't because Paul did anything. He gave already credit. We thank God for this. God was working in them. It is God who causes your faith to grow. It is God who causes love to increase. And that is clear evidence, my friend, that God is working in your life. Where's God? Is your faith being strengthened? Is your love increasing? I can tell you this much about our church. I feel like our love is increased as a church. God's working in your life. He's working in your family. Aren't you thankful that becoming a Christian is more than just a decision? Well, I'm just going to become a Christian. Because I'll be honest with you, if it was just a decision, I'd have changed my mind a long time ago as soon as the hard thing came. Because I'll be honest with you, it feels like it's harder to be a Christian in this world than it is to be a lost person in this world. Would you agree? And so if I based it on all those external circumstances, like, no. But as you grow in faith and in love, you know what you'll find? You'll find that you have patience to endure. Underneath the whole business of per perseverance is faith and love. Let me show it to you in a couple other places. James 1 verse 3 says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 13 4, Charity suffereth long. Love suffereth long. Long. Here's what, that, here's what that means. It means that you're able to endure hardship for long periods of time. Do you need more patience? The way to get it is to grow in faith. You need more patience? 
Need more endurance? The way to do it is to grow in love. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7 says, Charity, it beareth all things, it believeth all things, it hopeth all things, and what? Endureth all things. It's the same kind of when you think about grass. The nature of grass is that it wants to grow, right? I think weeds are the same way. Oh, I hate weeds, don't you? But we, I'll just use grass, okay? The, the nature of grass is that, is that it wants to grow. And so in the same way, it is the nature of love, hear me, to be patient. It is the nature of faith to persevere. It is the nature of this love and the nature of this faith to be able to go beyond just the surface of the problem and to get a little bit deeper to the root and to grow. Christ causes his people to persevere by growing in faith and increasing in their love. So that's the doctrinal truth that we find here at the beginning. But how does that, Ryan, how does that apply? How does that apply to my life? And so I want to just spend a couple more minutes. You've listened well as we've opened up this series. We're just kind of, we're just kind of at the beginning of this, okay? How can you and I, how can we apply this? And there's only, for the sake of time this morning, I'm only going to apply it in one way, okay? But really, I think you'll find that this application then will find its way, its legs throughout the rest of your life. And so here's what I want to do. I want us to use this to improve our praying, okay? This doctrine of persistence, this doctrine of endurance is found in faith, and in love, how can we apply that to the way that you and I pray? Okay? Let me start with this question. How should you pray when you are worn out, losing heart, tired, discouraged, and weary of the battle? Man, that kind of sounds like your life sometimes, right? Okay? So how should you, how should you apply this truth? Okay? Hey, it's great, man. Hey, I want to endure. I, I'm so weary. I don't want to give up. And Pastor, you've told me that I'm supposed to grow in faith and I'm supposed to increase in love. Okay. Well, how does that apply? Well, how should you pray? Well, you could pray this. Lord, give me patience. That'd be good, right? Have you ever said, Lord, give me patience? Yeah, that's good. But I believe a better way to pray is to ask God to increase your love. To ask God to renew your confidence in his ultimate triumph. You can pray about the surface issue, but if you pray better, but I think you'll pray better if your prayer touches the root of the problem. Underneath all of the struggles with patience, all of the struggles with enduring and perseverance, you will find a faith that is losing heart. Ladies and gentlemen, there are people in here where your faith is losing heart. You go onto the news and you're like, God, are you even there? You're losing heart. And your confidence in God is waning. And that's why Paul said to this church at Thessalonica, hey, you were birthed in tribulation. You were birthed in, 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 in complete just, um, just tribulation. And so I'm going to pray that your faith grows, that your confidence in God grows. And so what happens is, is when we aren't praying for the root, what happens is, is our love grows cold. We stop coming. We stop reaching out. We stop understanding that we are part of a body 
if my right arm just decided, you know what, I don't want to impact this body anymore, would that be a problem, yes or no? Yes. And so Paul is saying, hey, Ryan, when it comes to praying, don't just pray that you'd have perseverance just to endure the hostility of a world that is so wicked. God, help me to have confidence in you that no matter what, I'm going to stand on the truth. No matter what comes our way, no matter what is done, God, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to believe you. And as I'm doing that, God, help me to love others. Help me to love them. Help me to love them. Faith and love are the roots that nourish perseverance. When the Thessalonians were facing all these troubles, we okay this morning? Right? Paul didn't pray, Lord, please stop the terrible trials. Nor did he pray, Lord, give them patience and help them persevere. Paul prayed, Lord, let them grow in faith. Lord, let them increase in love. And the reason why I believe that is the case, because if Paul would have said, Lord, just take away the problem, you and I are smart enough to know six months, one year down the road, guess what? Those problems are going to be there again, right? And so instead he said, God, help them to grow in their faith towards you that no matter what the problem is, they can keep their eyes on you. That no matter what the problem is, they can continue to love. I believe you can apply this to any situation that you are weary in the battle. So here's what I want you to do. Here's the question I ask you. How should you pray when you're worn out, losing heart, tired, and discouraged and weary of the battle? Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. Don't worry. You don't have to turn it in and it doesn't get graded. Amen? So if you want to do it, do it. Here's what I want, to, here's what I want you to do over the next seven days. I want you to think of every single battle that would make you weary that you can think of. That's the beginning portion of it. Talk about it amongst your family. If you're married, talk about it with your spouse. Talk about it with your kids. Most of them, they're not going to be in here, but talk about it. And literally think about through things. They say, yeah, yeah, this is weary, and yeah, I lose hope here. I want to do this. I want to do that. And then here's what I want you to do. And then I want you to ask this question. What would it look like to have more faith and more love in the situation that you wrote about? What would it look like for you to have more faith and, it, and express love in that situation. So our series is entitled, as I close this morning, Don't Quit. Why? Why don't quit? Because Jesus is our victory. It's because he is our, he's our, he's our king that's standing in that middle. Oh, by the way, Jesus has been surrounded many, many, many a times. And he's our victory. He's our, he's our winner. He's, our, he's the one that we turn to. I want, you to. I want you to think about this. The grace of God can advance in your life through a difficult marriage, through rebellious children, through sickness, through a financial loss, or through the loss of your reputation. God can do it all. He is your victor. He uses Christ. God will use the hardest things in your life to make you like Christ. The trials of your life are the, are the setting in which God will display these gems of grace in your life. I often call it uncomfortable grace that he brings in your life. Archibald Alexander in Growth and Grace said this, learn from Christ 
how you ought to suffer. Learn from Christ how you ought to suffer. Christ endured with while he suffered by exercising faith. When they hurled all the insults at him, while he was suffering at the hands of angry and wicked men, with all of the threats he threatened back not. As he suffered, he never did anything unto them. Instead, Peter tells us this, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. You know what that means? You know what Jesus said? I got confidence in my Father. I got confidence in him. Yeah, this stinks. I mean, let's, Jesus was 100% human too, right? Father, let this cup pass for me. He prayed in the garden with great drops of blood as he was sweating. But he said, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm not going to revile back. I'm not going to harm anybody because you know what? I've got confidence in a God. You know what he was doing? He was expressing faith. Faith. That is faith. As he was surrounded by darkness, he puts his faith in the ultimate triumph of God. Jesus also endured his suffering through love. How could he stay on that cross? People were shouting for him to come down. People were saying, hey, you've saved others. Save yourself. And they were mocking him. And how could he stay up there? Because John tells us in John 15, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You want to know why you and I don't have to quit? Because Jesus is all the love you'll ever need. In Christ, you will be given all of the faith you'll ever need to live this life. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live according to the faith of Christ. Don't quit. Hit Jesus. Here's your victory. Your situations, there are a dime a dozen. I get that. I might not even have hit yours. But the reason why you don't have to throw that white towel is because of Christ. Christ stood there and he took everything for you. And he expressed faith and he expressed love so that you and I, in our moments of wanting to quit, we can do the very same thing. So as we embark on this series of going verse by verse through this book, I wanted to start by saying this is going to be a book of encouragement because Paul says, hey, you guys, you're able to endure. Why? Because your faith is growing and your love is increasing. Not every eye closed.